I got to talk. I got to tell what I feel. I got to talk about my life as I see it. Biggie. Uh. Uh-huh. Uh. This goes out to you. This goes out to you and you and you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back here on the Juice Podcast for the first time in a couple weeks. I know we said that we were going to do one a week, um, but we're trying. We're busy, um, but we're trying to get back on on the bus. We're shooting for it. Listen, we bought a calendar, and we wrote on the calendar that we're going to post at noon every Friday. So now that it's wrote on the calendar, it we must be law. It. It must be law now that it's made the calendar. So we're shooting for every every Friday, post an episode every Friday. This episode will be viewed Friday. Obviously, if you're listening to it, it's already Friday. Um, but we just wanted to state our intentions of what we plan on doing in the future. But we are very excited to bring you this podcast. We have a very special guest and a good friend and a big part of me and Q's story. Mr. Ronnie Phillips, ladies wow. and gentlemen. Wow. Thank yes, you. sir. Thank you. It's an honor to be yeah. here. And I am honored to be a part of this cool little venture you guys got started here. You're, you guys, as, as much as I've been an inspiration to you, this is an inspiration to me. I think I'm going to start my own podcast. Well, you know what's so weird about this <laughs> is that I'm sitting in this chair and I got the radio guy across from me. So That's it's like, right. it's right. literally right. like me trying to do his job. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, the the grasshopper trying to do the uh expert's job so this is weird but also you know we're vibing we're hanging out we're trying to do the thing we're, we're about to have good conversation and i love the juice you go it's called the juice podcast and the juice that you supply your guests man oh, yeah. i mean the, the woodford reserves the cheers finest. cheers cheers that is awesome let me take a little sip of this mm. talk about vibing we're sip, vibing now sipping the mic for the viewers that's right uh how would you where would you like to start Let's uh, let's give the viewers a little Ronnie Phillips background. Where do you come from? How did we get involved? How did we get to 2022 Ronnie Phillips? How did give we us get a little from background. point A to point yeah. B? Story starts in like 1875. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe it's a little bit off from that. Okay, but. I'm going to show my age. Uh, I grew up in a small town of Marysville, Kansas, uh, northeast Kansas, about 45 minutes or so north of... Um, of Manhattan, Kansas. And I knew ever since I was in the third grade that I wanted to be in radio. Um, I remember when I was in third grade, my, the thing I wanted for my birthday gift was a tape recorder and I got some blank tapes. I took birthday money, went out to Walmart, bought a little cheap $3 microphone and figured out how to patch my dad's micro or I'm sorry, my dad's tape recorder with my tape recorder, put a Bon Jovi slippery when wet cassette, and one tape recorder and a blank tape in the other. And I would play DJ and I would talk up the ramp of the song. And um, my mom always loved to break those out. Like whenever I got a new girlfriend and brought her home to meet the family. So this wasn't anything that just like happened. Like you had like had your mind set on the like radio. Like this is I like- did. I really, I was blessed. You know, there's people who go to college and spend thousands and thousands of dollars in four or five years of college. And when they get done, they still don't know what they want to do with their life. Right. You had some direction. And I, I was the geek who was listening to nighttime radio, um, back then out of Topeka, it was a WIBW 97 FM. They've since changed frequencies, but, um, I was listening to the on air personality, the DJ, and they were doing, you know, 
people were calling in and requesting songs and making dedications. And I thought, man, that is so cool. What a fun job. I love music. I'm listening to the station because I love the music and I get to interact and kind of entertain. Um, and so, yeah, it was, that was kind of where the inspiration was. And then when I was a sophomore in high school, I, we had a really small 3000 watt radio station in our hometown and I went out there and talked to the owner of the, of the radio station and said, Hey, this is something that I aspire to do when I get older. Can I get a job doing whatever? And so the first three weeks that I, uh, he said, yeah, sure. Come out every Sunday night. And so those first three weeks that I was out there, I was taking out the trash and dusting and vacuuming and doing basically getting a great head start on my janitorial career. <laughs> and, um, the next, I guess it would be the fourth Sunday then that I came out there. So like a month later, <clears throat> the guy who was supposed to be working didn't show up and they said, okay, kid, here's your shot. And, um, it was basically, um, running the, the Royals game and playing the commercials when we were, when they went to the local commercials. And, and then after the game was over, I would just let the music run on automation. It was a reel to reel. It's for you young guys. It might be hard to understand, but there was these huge reel to reel machines that just had hours and hours and hours of country music on it. And then at certain times in the hour, I would have to read the weather. And so they sat down and said, okay, read the weather. You hit this switch over to audition. You turn up the pot, um, and read the weather. And my first words ever on the air were for tonight, mostly sunny. I knew that it was nighttime. So I said for tonight, but when I was reading the forecast, it said today, sunny. So I don't know where you live, if it's ever sunny at night, but, it, but that's what I said anyway. So I kept pushing on and, and fell in love with it and went to college, um, went to Colby community college in Western Kansas that they had a great broadcast program and uh, submitted a, what they call a, an air check, otherwise known as like a demo to the national association of college broadcasters for the disc jockey of the year award. And, um, that was competing not only with junior colleges, but all four year universities that had uh, radio broadcast, uh, curriculum. And I ended up taking second place. And so from there I just kept on and was in junction city, Kansas. And then I was in Manhattan, Kansas, and then Kansas city for a little bit, then Wausau, Wisconsin, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, Tucson, Arizona, until I landed at Q104 in Kansas city, where I spent 10 years, um, and then at the end of that, uh, of that run, I kind of felt like I had hit my ceiling and I didn't really see my career going much further. And so I was trying to figure out what am I going to do? You know, I've got all of this radio broadcasting, marketing, some sales, um, experience, this media experience. How can I par excuse me, parlay all of that experience into a passion that I have? And that passion was the outdoors. Uh, so I said, I'm going to start a TV show. Didn't know anything really about cameras or anything about TV other than just the basics of normal linear media. Um, but, you know, I was able to connect with the guys from Heartland Bowhunter, kind of proved myself to them and what I, my experience could do in, in helping HB kind of go to the next level. And I guess I kind of earned my keep with that and was able then to... Uh, collaborate with Logan Burdett to start Heartland Waterfowl. And then with that journey, I was able to meet you guys. And then 
Dakota came out. You came out on a trip with us to New York because yeah. we needed an extra guy. Um, and then, you know, one thing kind of led to another. You took a crawdad to the nipple. And so you kind of <laughs> yeah. earned your keep there, which, by the way, that video is somewhere on a Heartland Waterfowl YouTube channel. You should probably check that out. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, that episode was called Fearless because of the tattoo that yeah. you have on your yeah. on your ribs there. Show it. Everybody show everybody the fearless. There you go. There you there go. She is. So hey, that tattoo what was preach, what, ladies. <laughs> um, and then Dakota kind of proved himself with the, you know, with his drive and, and, you know, experience and just knowledge with the computer. I'm sorry, with the camera. And then Q came along a couple years later. And now you guys are basically on full time with us traveling North America filming our waterfowl hunts, creating not only the content for Sportsman Channel, but also in new original YouTube series. So yeah, it's nuts. Blessed. I, 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 yeah, blessed. blessed. Um, I remember literally, and I, I, I want to touch back on some of the radio stuff and even more the beginning of the TV stuff, but I just want to talk on a little experience of my own. Uh, I just remember I, I was working at Bass Pro whenever I was 18. And that's when they were doing the premieres at when you guys are doing the premieres. And I don't mm -hmm. know if uh, HW, I don't think was even a thing at that point. And you were just doing the uh, like the voice. You were running the premiere. I was the MC. The MC. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was like they did one for Friday night and they did one for Saturday night. Right. Friday night I was working and I, I was the credit card salesman. So I didn't have to stay in a department. I basically got to walk around. Mm hmm. If anybody wants a job that loves to just walk around. Be the credit and, card salesman at Best Pro. Oh, my gosh. It was the best job. And you made a commission on it, which was baller for me because mm -hmm. it was like, all right, I, I'm not capped to my per hour. So I could go and make extra money. And then I didn't have to stay anywhere. I Literally, my job was walk around Bass Pro the entire time. So I literally walked around and shopped all day. And if I saw somebody, but, hey, you want to save 3% on your purchase today? You know what I mean? It was the best job that you could ever. Anyways. So I'm working at Bass Pro and uh, the premiere is going on. And I remember before that I was standing at an end cap and there was an HB end cap and they had like a TV and then all the DVDs for like the first three seasons. Yep. I remember that. And uh, I was sitting there just watching it. And I know that like a lot of people talk like a paradigm shift of like one certain event that just like Change potentially life. changes my life. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting there at that end cap with my clipboard in my hand and it just was like whoa there's something there yeah. you know like with the creativity the video side and like even i had like a little bit of like that in the beginning of you know like i was always torn i made like stupid youtube videos of like us doing basketball shots like i always had like some sort of but it, and then it was like oh it's that's all the stuff aligned and ever since then, after that, I walked down to the premiere and whenever they were doing that, I talked to Rex and uh, he was like, yeah, you should come out tomorrow. So I came out tomorrow or the next day right? and went to the premiere and I can't remember, you were emceeing mm -hmm. and it's just crazy to the fact that I was just like this young kid that worked at Bass Pro that saw this video in an end cap, got the interest. Like if I wouldn't have saw that video on the end cap and hadn't like been at bass pro at the same time i don't know if i would have gone there and then like put in my brain oh that's ronnie phillips and then eventually along like 
So you crazy. didn't know? I had no clue. I had no. I, I did you even like, know? Did you know what HB I kn- was? No, I knew. I knew what HB was whenever the premiere came, mm-hmm. because I'd seen the end cap. Okay. Because I was like, oh, that's the guys that are up there. Yeah. And then I started thinking. I looked them up on Google, and you know how crazy I am. I literally looked up on their website, and then their mailing address said Grain Valley. Yeah. I went. <laughs> What? what? <laughs> and then everything started to click for me. I'm yeah. like, oh, these guys are local. Yeah. Oh, there might be some sort of opportunity sure. to, you know, whatever. And then I was just interested. I'm like, these guys did it from where I'm from. Why yeah. couldn't anybody else? Right. You know? Yeah. But I say that to say, like, it's crazy that I went there and then I, I re- recognized you from being the radio guy. I was like, oh, that's the radio guy. Yeah. And he's somehow involved with this stuff. And it was just like all these things clicking. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so crazy. And then now to where we are, it's like, what? Now we're like the best of friends and we travel the country together. We're gone every other week. It's nuts. Hunting together and just having amazing experiences. Yeah. So Heartland Waterfowl was not yet a thing but the discussions had begun right and um you want to know something funny i literally remember overhearing a conversation i was like in the third row and you're in the front and you were saying something well i want to be able to buy a property where i can duck hunt and goose hunt and deer hunt on yeah and i was thinking to my and i wasn't that much into waterfowl at the time I was like, who would want to do that? <laughs> I literally like, only this crazy guy. Yeah, I, would, I was like, who would who would want to do that? And then whenever the heart and waterfowl stuff, I was like, oh, he must like waterfowl hunting too. I'm right, like, it started to make sense. But sure, <laughs> continue. So Heartland Waterfowl was just an idea. It was a discussion. Heartland Bowhunter had been thinking about um, creating an extension of their brand, and it was originally supposed to be a fishing show called Drift. Um, and they had kind of started lining up the people to be a part of that. And then I think as the season kind of went on, of course, HB is so busy with not only their you know, hunting season, but then shortly after they're done, they've only got a short amount of downtime before then they start turkey hunting to do full strut. And I think that in the grand scheme of things, because the like Mike and a few and Nate Flynn and a few others that were affiliated with Heartland Bowhunter, just from a timing standpoint, didn't see it to be practical to do right. a hunting show of turkeys and whitetail and other big game and try to fit fishing in here at the and same be time. the best. Right, right, right. And be the best. So then they had Logan, who you know they went to high school with, and you know when he went out to Hayes to go to college, he uh, well he had already had a passion for waterfowl hunting, but I think that that passion you know basically really took off because of the amount of great waterfowl hunting that was out there in Western Kansas. And then when he transferred to Kansas state and being around Manhattan and Tuttle Creek, the great amount of waterfowl opportunities that were there. Um, and so they knew his passion for that. My passion for waterfowl was, you know, came from uh, a buddy of mine, Buck Heath, who we are all so good friends with and he owns dirty duck coffee and he's got a shout out to dirty duck coffee, dirty duck coffee, best damn coffee in the world. Um, high velocity by the way is my favorite or dark dynasty anyway um so he introduced me to waterfowl hunting because i had cut my teeth on uh rifle hunting for deer and upland bird hunting Uh, my grandfather was big into training bird dogs and and doing running bird dog trials and so that was really my passion until i was introduced to waterfowl hunting and then i was like what is this oh my gosh this and i was hook line and sinker addicted to it um so anyway, fast forward several years, um, you know, I decided that this is what I wanted to do. Mike Hunsucker's family is 
closely connected through as friends with my wife's family. And so that's how I got kind of introduced to Mike. Um, he used to hunt with my wife's uncle and when they, when he, when Mike was a kid anyway, so that's how I got to know Mike. And one thing kind of led to another, you know, how it is kind of like you, how we all met, you know, you, you take that first step and then you kind of earn your keep. And after that was done and, um, we started talking about creating that extension with the waterfowl brand and it made sense with Logan and, and, and myself's passion. Um, I was then, uh, working with a couple guys, Matt Westcote and Caleb Bone, um, who were guys that I had hunted with, and they had an interest in what I was trying to do individually before Heartland Waterfowl was even a discussion. And you know, here we are, just done filming season nine. <laughs> it's getting ready to come out uh, this July on Sportsman Channel. That is so crazy. And the premiere June fourth. June fourth. Yeah, yes. Plug the premiere for a minute. Yeah, June 4th. Typically, it's the last Saturday in June. There was a scheduling conflict with the venue, and so we moved it around. Um, I guess I can announce this. Uh, June 4th, Stony Creek um, Conference Center in Independence, right next to Bass Pro Shops. Um, that's where we're going to hold the premiere this year. It's always a great event. It's free to the public. We always give away a ton of great stuff from our sponsors. Um, typically, we give away free Yetis. I don't know what we're giving away yet for the first few hundred people that walk in the door this year um but i'm sure we'll give away something um and then um one new thing that we're doing this year we've always done a golf outing the friday before but it's always been just hb hw and close friends to the brands and maybe a couple sponsors that want to come in town a day early this year the goal is to do a full-fledged scramble golf tournament charity golf tournament um, we've always done in the last few years, some sort of charity in a way, find, trying to find a way to give back to the community. Um, uh, Skyler and Sean have, uh, raffled or I guess auctioned off their bows that they use from the prior season. And they've gone to uh, a variety of different charities. And so we're going to pick a charity. I don't know which charity it is going to be yet. Um, but then we're going to do a charity golf tournament the Friday before open up to the public, Hopefully we'll sell it out 144 golfers and I imagine it'll be probably in the ballpark of $120 a golfer. Um, and then we'll present a check on stage the next night to that charity. Wow. That's going to be awesome. It'll be a lot of fun. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to be a contributor. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no, t I'm not going to be a competitor. He's going to be right. He's right. going to be riding around with the, with the, the beverage girl on yeah. the golf cart. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be a contributor or yeah, not a competitor because I just can't do the golf thing, but I'll throw my one, 120. You're not in. terrible. I'm not terrible, but I ain't good. I don't think anybody all. who really gets into those, or I shouldn't say there are some hey, of those. Those good. The good part about scrambles is you only got to excel Play. in one thing. You could be the putter, you could be the driver, or hey, you could be the iron my team, game. Not, not this last year, we got dead last. But the year before, we got first. Who played on my your team? team. Uh, the guy from Flame Genie. Okay. Yeah, and he's good. Me I forget his name, but he's real good. Derek Linegar. Yep. And I can't remember who else was on our team. It's going to be a good time. Nate. We don't. I think it was Nate. 
Meyer. Nate Meyer. So he was, a, want, he was definitely a, a contributor. Yeah. <laughs> it, it should be a good time. We, we haven't yet released a, a press release yet. And you know, that information hasn't gone completely public. I guess it is now. But oh, the juice is getting pretty. The ju- it is. Oh, the, yeah, the juice yeah. is getting pretty. Yeah. Right here. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is where it all comes out, but definitely put it on your calendar. And if you'd like to partake in the, uh, charity golf tournament, then um, make yourself available Friday, June 3rd. I can just speak on this on the night of the premiere. It's literally one of my favorite nights of the entire year. Yep. I look forward, like I get butterflies, like, oh, it's weekend of the premiere. Mm -hmm. Like I love that weekend. It's literally just, you know, what's crazy for me, you know, as an owner and executive producer, um, I should say co-owner because Logan and Mike and Sean and Rex and Brad are also owners of Heartland Waterfowl. But, you know, we've been involved with this in the trenches for nine, 10 years now. And there's always been a premiere, mm-hmm. whether HW was doing it on its own or H- we were, in, you know, collaborating with HB. Where I'm going with this is it blows my mind that every year that we do this premiere, I'm once again reminded. You would think that after all of these years, I would be expecting, I, I would have an expectation and I wouldn't be shocked by anything. But for whatever reason, every year I get those same butterfly feelings. And there's something that happens just when you see those people who are lined up outside the door hours in the heat, nine, sometimes 90 plus degrees lined right. up for hours because right. they want their spot. They want to be one of the first few hundred in the door to get that free Yeti. Um, it blows my, and just the amount of, um, affirmation that comes mm-hmm. from everybody who traveled and, and people will travel from Iowa. People have come from Colorado, Michigan, um, Oklahoma. I mean, they've come from just, I mean, it's not just people local. They've come from all over the country right. and you know, I'm just, it blows me away every time the, the next day when I wake up and I was like, wow. This is why we do this. Yeah. This is the, the impact and the passion that these people have for the content that we create has been once again justified on why. And I'm not trying to make it sound like it's, you know, I'm not running a jackhammer out on the pavement in a hundred plus degree heat, you know, right. like I'm not trying to say it's, it's that kind of hard work. It's, but it, there are headaches there is it's a grind it's a grind fatigue sets in and there's times where we get kind of pissy with one another but that night it takes a lot to do what we do it does when when you're talking about a team of guys traveling the schedules of everybody being able to do all the things that we do however many different personalities together it is it is a lot to put on the things that we got to put on and it just i'm just reminded every single year and I still don't understand to the, like, I'm sitting here thinking like, why do I, why am I having this emotion every single year when I should know after several years of doing this, that this is how I should feel. But it's, it's, it's a great feeling to have that affirmation, to know that man, people really do dig what we're doing yeah. and they will travel from all over and they will line up and stand in the heat, um, to come in and be one of the first to see the content in person with us, the opportunity to meet and talk to us, win some really cool prizes from our sponsors and see that content before it's the network. Yeah, It's really cool. Well, and I think that uh, part of us, maybe that we get a little bit complacent in the idea of like, this is just like what we do. 
you know what I mean? Like we film the TV show, we do all this stuff. We go on all these hunts, we produce this stuff. Like we get so complacent of like, that's just a part of our lives and like a part of like a little period of our schedule through the, but I think the premiere goes like this. Yeah. Hey, you guys are doing something and people are paying attention to it. Look at all these people that have showed up to support you guys. That in itself gives me like, "Mm, all right, let's roll into next season, you know, and it's perfectly timed too. The premiere has never been designed to be a money-making opportunity for either of the brands. It's always been about the experience, but what I've learned is that the experience is almost, if not more beneficial to me as, and probably all of us who are involved than it is and the experience for the person who's coming as a spectator. It's such a great night. It's yeah. a great night, but it just, it's almost like it refuel, it refuels you. Yeah. Right. You know, like, because like you said, it's a grind. You get towards the end of the season. Complacency does maybe kind of set in. You maybe kind of take it for granted a little bit. You're not feeling that affirmation right away because you've been grinding for months and we, you know, weeks and months and you're getting towards the end of the season. And it's like, gosh, you know, you kind of forget why you're doing it. And then that premiere night happens in June and then it recharges you and it gets you excited. And that's why when the end of August comes and we go to North Dakota to do early season geese, it's one of our best episodes because yeah, we are okay. so dialed in. We are okay. so jacked up. If we didn't have that premiere, I wonder, and, and I could be wrong, but I wonder if we would still have that same enthusiasm. Right. It's almost like that night, is a necessity to each of us as individuals involved with the brands because feeling that affirmation and the impact that it has on those who enjoy our content recharges us to go and do it again another year. Well, that, and for me, it's always been like one night a year we get to be the rock stars. You know what I'm saying? And I know Dude, you know it's crazy? Sounds, I know that sounds crazy, but for real, it's like, hey, we put in all this time, this is our hard work, and all these people show up to like see what we've done. Mm-hmm. And like just the fact that that happens. I know that sounds crazy because we've been doing it for so long. But the yeah. fact that people just show up and they want to pay attention and watch and come and see and be a part of something that we worked against. Like that's awesome. That is so there, cool. There's a point about that that I want to hit on. But you wanted to say something crazy about that. Did you want to know something crazy? I remember... When we were doing that thing right there. Infinity. I remember going to the premieres at Uptown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With Dakota. Okay. Drinking in the parking lot. Drink, yes. <laughs> Tailgating before Tailgating the show. Tailgating before okay. the show. That's yeah. awesome. Okay. I remember doing that and then to like <clears throat> last year being a part of it. And then this year, I'll, obviously, I'm a part of it again. Even more it's so just, this year. Right. Correct. Last year was my whatever you call it. You, Red what do you call year. it? You call he calls it something initiation initiation year yes yes so last Your year internship was initi- yeah it was my internship it was hey do you got it to do it obviously I made the cut you again. did you made the cut you know what I was getting ready to say was um, you talked about feeling like a rock star and the thing luckily for me I had kind of lived that life a little bit having worked in the spotlight for 22 years doing radio broadcasting and even then it took me a long time to understand why would anybody give a damn about me you know like I'm just the guy on the radio you don't see me I'm not on TV I'm just the voice who's introducing songs and maybe throwing a person on the phone but you know it's like these it, people it's connect like clout. Yeah. that's what it is it's like it, it legit is like He's legit because he's in this position. 
you know you know right. what i mean right like that's kind of what it is people can like fame slash clout it's right? just the way people connect and they, and if you you're doing something right if you can find a way to get i don't care what business you do whether you're in radio or tv or you're doing sales marketing whatever if you can find a way to get people to connect with you then you're doing something right and it's it was hard when i transferred and i don't know why but and i also saw the awkwardness with the other people on our team heck i even saw it with the hb guys and they had done it for a few years before we even started heartland waterfowl the awkwardness of understanding that when these people are approaching you or you know and sometimes they don't approach you sometimes they really want to approach you but they're shy or they're embarrassed or they're starstruck or whatever it is but we we're just normal guys yeah. right we just have this feeling inside like we're normal guys we're just we're, we're really nobodies you know like well i can speak on that firsthand because i got to see the outside window of me being super fan yeah too. me dude literally the yeah. first time i met nate was in rick haney's basement and he was tuning calls nate meyer nate meyer yeah and i i regret even saying this i was like <laughs> I, I, I literally was shaking really because it was this is that guy on heartland waterfowl oh that's and cool it was it was just because it was that's who you guys were sure you know what I mean? right to us you guys were superstars well and where i was ultimately going with this is i remember having these conversations when we were doing these premieres early on because i would see that our team would you know we don't know any of these people who are coming to see our content. They're coming to our premiere. So it was that sense of awkwardness that, you know, Hey, I'm going to hang out and socialize with the people that I know, but to anybody else who was coming to the premiere, it could, it could appear that we're stuck up mm. and we don't, you know, have the time or we're too good to talk to anybody. Right. And it's far from that. We just didn't know how to, we didn't know how to accept that notoriety right you know so yeah. it was almost like me challenging the guys like hey i understand this is uncom this is not normal this doesn't feel natural it's out of your wheelhouse it's out of your comfort zone but force yourself if you see somebody over in the corner staring at you they may not have the courage to come up and introduce themselves but if you're gonna know you're gonna see it right and if they if you see it go up there and shake your shake their hand and say hi and We've gotten, I mean, I think we're really good about that now, but that was, but you talked about it earlier, that night of feeling like you're a rock star. You, you do, you feel like a rock star, but at the same time, you know, you want to stay humble and feel like, hey, at the end of the day, we're, I tell people all the time, especially when I'm being interviewed for magazine articles or, you know, whatever it might be that men's health <laughs> right <laughs> i'm here to pump you up um <clears throat> that you know there's there's nobody in outdoor tv who has got a card or a certificate certification in their wallet that says they're a professional hunter right you know yeah. like so right. just because you're on tv you're not a professional hunter so we don't we as a group of guys who love doing what we do we don't go into this thinking we're better than you we shoot more birds than you we know how to do it better than you we just say this is how we do it we enjoy doing it we love sharing our content with you guys i think that's one of the things that happens like uh for example i think it was whenever we were in kansas whenever we met up with those guys same field remember when we yeah. met yeah. And I think that there's such a misconception of like, oh, these guys are pros. These, But I, out of every interaction that we have with people, I think they come out with 
Oh, those are just regular dudes. Yeah. Yep. Like those are, and I, I, I wish that, uh, there wasn't that misconception and it was just like, oh yeah, it's just, they're regular dudes, but they also do this. They also film a TV show. I mean, don't get me wrong. Stuff. When you go on the road as much as we do and as much as we hunt, you don't do it. It's like anything in life with repetition. You're going to get better and better and better. You're going to learn from your experiences and the things that you did wrong, knowing not to do that, must make that mistake again. So, you know. Humbly speaking, we I do think down. we are good. We got it yeah, down. We we, it we down. know how to do it. Um, that's not to say that the birds don't hand us our ass occasionally, because that does happen. But um, <laughs> but you know we've we've got a pretty good foothold on you know how to do this. So I can see where if somebody like those two guys that we you know met in the field had that mindset. But my satisfaction or gratification out of it is, is that when they walk away, they're not only thinking to themselves, man, these guys know how to kill birds, but I can relate to them. Right. You know, like I, they're not so far up on a pedestal yeah. that they, I have to worship the ground that they walk yeah, on. We, we don't fun, want that. We traded right. shit in the blind. Yeah. We, we're yeah. just having, we're just normal guys that give crap to each other in the blind, you know, and you know, like. Dude, that was just a normal perfect dudes. experience for someone to like accidentally run into us on the same piece. Well, luckily, the, sometimes you know that mean? happens. And sometimes it don't run like that. It doesn't right, go like that. Right, you know, luckily, right. those two dudes were But really that's what good I mean. Dudes. Like, for that to happen the way it did, yeah. it worked out great. And we great. smashed them that day. That's what I mean. It, it worked out great. Yeah. Yeah, those guys, those guys definitely not only, I would venture to say that they were hyped going into the hunt. Because, I mean, think about it. We beat them to the field. Yeah. They're showing up. Oh, great. What do we got? You, you know, oh, this big, is a TV show. Yeah, oh, big, and now a TV show is going to invite us to hunt. This is badass. Oh, my God. This is so cool. <laughs> and then they find out, hey, these guys are cool. They're fun, not, you know, down-to-earth dudes who, you know, love, have the same passion. They joke around. They like to, you know, tell stupid jokes in the blind, whatever. And then they walk away. And I think for me... I get more satisfaction knowing that they walk away from that, telling all their buddies that they hunted with us and not that we were great hunters, but damn, those guys were just fun, good dudes. And I don't think it only happens to people like them, but just from my experience with being on the road full time this year, Dude, the outfitters we went to were like that too. They were just like, but obviously most of of them we go to, that you that you guys have gone to consistently mm-hmm. throughout the years but like even then so like when we leave it's just like now we like they remember too like yeah yeah they're just great people we also are so blessed we have such a good circle we do. that we hunt with across the yeah. country you know what i mean from well and from all over the place all we have, over like from joe to texas from high plains in wyoming from mm-hmm. ta- everybody tornado just alley yeah, yeah they're killer everybody's killer i'll tell you that's not to say fun. that every outfitter that we've ever because i'm not going to name any names but there's been some outfitters that we've hunted with where we did not have a right. good experience that, and that's what i mean and it's so like, we've we've had to learn again you don't do anything in life without a little bit of repetition and learning what mistakes you don't make again and so we almost vet any outfitters that want to pursue us to hunt with them because obviously they would like us to do it because they get the exposure. It's almost free advertising for them. Well, free from the standpoint that, you know, they give us a place to stay and hunt and whatever, but we're not paying for the hunt. They get, you know, recognition in the episode. And then anyway, you get it. Um, But there's been times where it didn't turn out good. And we have to vet these guys now and say, Hey, look, we're not your normal clients. 
we're not going to be belly busting birds. We're not going to be shooting hard shots, hard left, hard right. You know, we have to make sure that the birds are centered up. They're decoying because if it ain't on camera, it defeats the purpose of why we're here. Right. We want to scout. We want to stubble our own blinds. That's the Heartland way. The Heartland way is that we do the work. At the end of the day, if we aren't relating to the blue collar worker, the uh, weekend warrior who is scouting to and from work, to find that one day on a Saturday or Sunday where he can get all of his buddies together to hunt that magic field when the conditions are right and they bring all of their decoys, they're collectively bringing them like, those are the guys we want to relate to. Right, right, right. I think, uh, speak a little bit on the fact of what the things we have to go through uh, and just the heartbreak that we have to deal with on very, very certain amount of situations of, we can't get it on camera, but we could have killed. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. I That's one of the things that I think that just goes completely unnoticed, like, with what we do. Like, whenever we do get a big pile, it's like. You've done something. You've done something. You've really done something. We're, we're, we're moving at a 60%. You know what I mean? We're yeah. getting to do 60% of what everybody else gets to do 100. So, if we, if we smash them mm -hmm. on film, it's like we did it and i think yeah. that's one of the things uh i was thinking about this is i think that one of the things of why we've got the waterfowl stuff on how we do stuff so tuned in is we've had this big barrier that we've had to work against with having to film it if you don't have your you can get away with so many other things but if you don't have that right and like that's the other thing when we go buddy hunting and it's like we're, we're we still are trying to finish them as close as we possibly can and, right. and it's like Oh, we could we and some of our buddies are like, "What are we doing?" It's like, dude, we've got that ingrained in our head. This is how we hunt now. It's muscle memory at that. Yeah, point. it really like, is. I get screwed every them. time. Like I typically try to do a fun hunt where I'm just hunting. Like there's times where I've hunted with my buddy Paul Anderson down on his duck club. Well, it's not a duck club, but his own spot down by uh, Truman Lake. <clears throat> and then I will go up occasionally and hunt with Buck and my buddy Jay. Jay's got a spot. Um, and then Buck's got his spot up in Mount City. So anyway, just to get some perspective, occasionally once or twice a year, I'll break away and do one or two hunts where I'm just fun hunting. And it screws me every time because the guys, like there might be a marginal 30, 40 yard shot and the guys will jump up and kill them. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, what, what are we doing? Yeah. What do you, you know? Mean? Like, like, which I get it, you know, like anybody who isn't, accustomed to doing what we do and having to get it on film like that's a killable shot like if they're there shoot them kill them you know yeah. but for me it's so uncomfortable because i'm used to waiting and oh let them God. work and let them settle in let them decoy right. let them get feet down backpedaling then kill it we gotta you know? get the footage but it gives me perspective on on um, not only why we do this and why we're passionate about doing this but then it also you know, again, as you spoke to earlier, like when you shoot a limit, like even like think about snow geese mm -hmm. when we go to Canada and we shoot the early, well, hell, even when we do it in the spring in Canada, back when we could go to Canada. Um, I mean, if we shot 120 birds, you know, how many times did we walk away from shooting 120 birds and said, man, we could have been done an hour ago. We could have done done an hour and a half ago. Right. You know, but we were waiting for the right for the groups to do it right. And when you can still shoot a limit and do, you know, 
that many birds, 20 birds per person, and still put up a pile, you really have oh my gosh. done something. Well, think yeah. about think about Nodak trip too. We sat all day long. Oh yeah, and we could have been done, you know, by the oh. end of the morning. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, if we were just but, belly busting shooting 30 40 exactly. yard shots. We've been on but, so many so many good ones in Canada. And here's here's my little two cents in what you guys are talking about. Not even like that we've fallen accustomed to like finishing geese or ducks whatever it is right in front of us we've learned that it's just it's an art to it so when those geese are coming in and they're coming in as close as they do mm-hmm. when we buddy hunt why wouldn't you want to see that right before you know what i mean like that's you tricked them let's see how far in we can trick them that's what Even I always talk about the sweet science. Yeah, I love well, the and science. you, I love, when I you, love the sweet yeah. science. when you hunt the way we hunt, so that we can get it on film, you've done it so many times that you see the signs. You see, okay, it, you could we it, have shot him there? Yes, you know it can uh, work a better. You, it can, it can be better. But if anybody right. who doesn't do what we do or doesn't have the right. aspiration to get him in closer, right. or get him to decoy, feet down, backpedaling, then they get impatient. And oh. they just like, oh, we better it get is, him now or we're not going to get it him. It is the toughest game of patience you will play in your entire life. And sometimes life. it causes problems because you can oh. get together with your buddies and they're they're like, what are we doing? What are we yep. shooting? That's, that's like, our. And then when ours. they do it right, they're like, that's why we did that's it. Why. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I talk about the sweet science when, for, when everything works out and they give it up for like no questions asked and they just do it. It's one of those things where I can just sit there and watch. Right. We don't got a fire. But whenever them geese tuck it. And oh, just, my gosh. There's nothing and, better. Dude, I just nothing I better. can't handle it. Especially, like, whenever I'm filming and that goose will, like, go into the frame over on mm-hmm. the right side. And then I, right. I let him drift on that side. And then I can follow him back and, he come, and he's catching the wind back on to the left. And I can just follow him going back and forth in the frame. And then it's boom, 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 boom right. as he's getting out. That's what I live for. Oh, yeah. I know. That's what I live for. Yeah. That's so fun when you're filming – and of course, a lot, you know, now that you guys are on board, I don't have to film as much. But when back in the day when we took turns filming birds um, and live action, there is something that just gets your adrenaline going when you know I have this goose or duck, whatever, in the upper left hand corner of my frame. I don't have to move my camera at all. Cause that sucker is going to finish right center. He's just yeah. going to dance gonna, right in. He's just yeah. going to, he's going to just come floating yeah. right into the frame. I love it. And I fill up the entire I frame. I can't put something on the bulletin board that drives me nuts more. And then right. when you get to see that footage yep. on camera or on, you know, TV or at the premiere and you, you sit there and you're like, I wasn't the one shooting that bird, like shooting it with the gun. I wasn't in front of the camera getting all the accolades from shooting that bird. Right. But I filmed that. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's I filmed nice. that cheddar cheese right there. Nice. You, I, I learned to love the business more this year than ever because, like you just said, it. You feel there's something about it about filming that that mm-hmm. moment, and it's just as good as. Well, it's not as good as missing a quill, but. <laughs> but oh, we had to go there. Yeah, but. <laughs> Hey, I dropped myself. Yeah, but it's it's so satisfying Mm -hmm. to get that clip, that that clip. You know what I mean? I know that. What I like what we did about this year with the YouTube series is, um, 
I think one of my favorite things about media and like even just the business that I'm in, and I've said this on the podcast before, but um, all three of the people that are listening, we're going to have to hear it again. But I love the fact of we get timestamps. Yeah. Uh, I, literally. Yeah, I, I have, heard you talking to Atterbury yeah, about that I in have, the last podcast. I have timestamps mm-hmm. and I can look back and go, mm, let me rewind. Where was I at in life whenever I was doing that? Where was I at editing mindset? Where was I at being able to film things? Like right. what was my mindset? And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is what I, I, even whenever I look back at the beginning stuff of the YouTube series that we just did, like the first Nodak series, I literally was just like, so stressed. This is so new. I don't even know if it's possible, but we're doing it. You know what I mean? Right. And it was just like the first couple trips, first couple trips. And I was thinking about this whenever we were doing, whenever we said we were going to do the podcast of like, I wanted to bring up what was our favorite hunt from this last year. And I was Ooh. thinking to myself in my head, like I have a kind of tainted uh, opinion on what my favorite hunts are because some of my like my favorite hunts are the ones are the ones that like were breezed we got the edit done and freaking ripped it and it was like wyoming was a dream Mm. was a dream we got done early i got back we had the airbnb i had my own little creative space i ripped out the edit had it done almost by dinner and then we were on right like that in my head was like my favorite Mm -hmm. stuff now did we have better hunts than probably why now granted Probably not because we beat them up every day. But mm-hmm. there's <laughs> other ones that I I enjoyed too. We did beat the we, hey, off we, of them. Hey, folks, up. folks, 108 in four days. Is that's that what, what the number was? That's what we shot. Yeah. 108 bo- really birds in four days. That's really. There's some people that don't shoot 100. And you can only shoot. Season. You can only shoot four in Wyoming. That's right. But what I like about it is, especially with this season, is, and I know we're not going to see the benefits of it probably right now. But let's say in five years when we go, remember when we did that YouTube series and we literally can look back at every freaking hunt that we went on. Right. And we have a, like, it's there and we can always look at it. Like that is so crazy. Video diary. It's a video diary. Exactly. I I think that that's one of the beautiful things. Same thing with the TV stuff. You guys Mm -hmm. can go back to season fuck two mm-hmm. and go oh yeah i remember when we were just getting there we were trying to sell hats to do this or whatever yeah, right you know what i'm saying like yeah. you can rewind back and go this is where we are when we were trying to do this and then you watch the show back on the deal and it's like i can't even believe that now to where we are here like yeah. the time stamps it's so wild Did that's you, what i love about this business i absolutely i love just that. watched all of them you'll like this ronnie my grandma Knew exactly what was going on beginning of the season. She refused to watch any, which was bad, but I told her she shouldn't have. She should have just yeah, watched like them. G-Maw. But up the views. But, What's up, hey, G-Maw? Right. Exactly. Come on, rack up the views. But we need some- she waited until the, I saw her the next time I saw her after uh, season was over to watch them all with me. Oh, wow. Isn't that cool? So they Shout out to so. G-Maw. She's yeah. a real one, but. That's really yeah. Easy. So they sat down and watched the entire Gosh, that all of them. Yeah. Were you able to do that in a whole day? Well, I was funny thing. We were working on uh, the lake, the Ozark project. Mm-hmm. So we're flipping a house for uh, one of our investors. One, our, well, yeah, one of our investors for Timberline Properties. Yeah. Uh, he had he bought a lake house down at Ozarks, and we're flipping it, and it looks 
incredible. Seven hundred fifty thousand dollar home. Yeah, it's a big place. Thirty three hundred square feet. It's a big place. Dock has its own little private cove. We're talking. It's- so my grandma lives right down the road. So I would just stay there. Oh, perfect. Right. So it took us two nights because I was on the. I was getting home at like seven eight o'clock yeah so we'd watch like a handful and then we stopped come and back then, the next night and watch yeah, man. yeah it was great it was a good experience for me too just because you know it's time with the grandma all that stuff but. and sometimes and this is kind of getting back to the business side of it but sometimes it's good to shelve it you know like we if you try to like watch it right after you did it right then it's too fresh right if you shelf it and then come back to it later you have so much more clarity and an open mind on the things you did great and what you could have done better. Right. Um, that's one thing that I've learned in, in the years too. Um, have you done that with the YouTube series yet? I, um, yes, I think I watched them all about a month ago, but even then, like I, like I would like to like not watch them until July. Right. And then as we ramp up for that first trip in August, then be like, okay. Because, right. man, we made, and collectively, but mostly you two, made so much progress. You watched, the, like you said, the first August trip and where in the videos that we were putting out towards the, the last third of the season. Right. I'm not trying to, like, discourage people from not watching the first, right. you know, couple, you know, episodes of that youtube season yeah but they get a lot better towards my grandma end. said that on the fifth one she goes yeah. wow your guys's progression has yeah and then she it said happened it, quick she said it, really it again it had and to. again it you had know to happen quick. Really did. there wasn't really to. a choice right yeah. 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 right no we were choice. all learning as we were going along as a matter of fact i was talking to you know so heartland bow hunter production not only produces that well first of all they produce our TV series and then marathon YouTube, you guys produced the YouTube series. But the thing that was the hardest to get acclimated to was, you know, once you're in the hunt, you're basically filming for both easily, like right. simul, like whatever you're doing for TV, you're doing for YouTube. But when you're doing the prep work, you know, going into the hunt, coming out of the hunt, it's almost like you're filming it twice. Yeah. You're doing oh, yeah. the interviews twice. You're doing an interview for YouTube. Oh, yeah. You guys and then got you're doing sick a, of it, but you understood. Well, there was times we where, like, it. I was like at the beginning of the season, I was like, I'd be laying there at night thinking, oh, okay, what did we do today? You know, how did we do? What should we have done better? You know, should I brought? You know, I always talked about bringing the energy, and then like, I, I remember doing a, an interview for YouTube, but did we do one for TV? You right. Know? And we got better as me the season were, went on. Me and you were hitting that like midway through the yeah through we, the season. We we're like, okay, we got a YouTube. Now we got to get a yeah. TV at least. Yeah. It was. It was. A, it was a new. A, it was a very unique experience for Heartland Waterfowl, but it was it was necessary to stay relevant in this digital media world that Ever we live changing. in now. Ever yes, and no evolving. Kidding. It was necessary, but what I can proudly say is, and thankfully the sponsors were um, patient. Because they knew that, hey, this is something unlike, I mean, nobody that I'm aware of, nobody in the industry is, you know, doing what we're doing from the standpoint that we're filming a hunt for TV. We're then filming it also at the same time for YouTube and then turning around and producing an incredibly beautifully polished 
you know, end result and releasing it within 12 hours. Right. You know, like there's people who go and they, they turn out, turn around some stuff, but they wait till they get home, the comfort of their own house, you know, what, like doing it that night and turning it around. There's nobody in the industry that I know that's doing that. Turn around King. So it was, you know, there was no way that we were going to have it perfected on that first trip, that first hunt, even the second trip. But I am proud not only of you two, but just our team as a whole, that we not only acknowledged quickly the things that we needed to do better, but we actually executed it. Right. You know, not acknowledging it and recognizing it is one thing, mm -hmm. but then actually applying it. Right. And doing and, and making a um, a um, call to action, if you will, right? You know, immediately. Sometimes that's hard to execute right away because you're just so set in your ways on how you typically produce a show. Right. What I like too is we were getting so much information so frequently, oh. in the fact of we could go, what's working, what's not working. Oh. Okay, if we were just doing one video a week it would take us so long to get in the groove and figure out how we need to edit it, how mm -hmm. we need to film it. But the fact that we kind of got thrown to the wolves and the fact that we're producing four videos on a trip, mm -hmm. returning them like this, there's so much information to digest and go, okay, this is where we can get better. This is where we can get better. This, I think that's why that formula was so good for us mm -hmm. is we got to go now. I think that if we went to, let's say we tomorrow, Logan says, let's roll. We're going to Canada no sweat we can I, I feel like we we're pumping it out easy bada bing bada boom you know, don't you agree 100%. you know what I mean? like we got oh, i we, do we got the system down let's rock let's roll right uh but i like that because if we didn't go through the like it being hard with doing the four episodes every single time i don't think we would have got as quickly to a system that we know and that we can run with you know not only that, but it also made us better. Um, I feel like not that you guys aren't good at the scout, but it like it made us more motivated to like, dude, we have to find something for tomorrow because we have to produce mm -hmm. this video. Right. Right. You know what I mean? There's so a lot more made, pressure this year for right, sure. Right. Right. Yeah. And the migration being as far behind as it was didn't help matters much. I mean, people keep asking me when I run into them on the street or they just randomly will shoot messages on social media, be like, Hey, how was your season? Well, we got them, but we had to work twice and three times as hard to get them. Yeah. You know, when you think like about when we go out to Champlin's in Manhattan, um, you know, we were driving, I mean, we're typically, we're, I don't know, 60, 70 mile radius. There were times where we were going well beyond that. To try to find the birds and that was thanksgiving oh yeah exactly the migration that, was so far behind i this think year. that's a little misconception too is like uh i think a lot of just with being on tv people think that we just show up and people are like all right here's these birds for you guys to kill and that's not really how we roll no you know we've got a different there structure. might be some misconception i do think after nine years of doing this i do think that our core audience they the core audience who live and die and eat and breathe heartland waterfowl that's why they're our core audience right i mean our thing is don't doubt the scout like that's obviously it. we're down that's for it. it but i'm just saying you know i think there, there might be a little bit of that but uh i wanted to talk a little bit about what do you think are some of the things that carried business wise through radio that you thought that you could just really catapult with whenever it came to heartland waterfowl was it like 
the sales stuff that you had, the ability to talk to anybody, like what are some of the things that from radio, as soon as you got into doing Heartland Waterfowl were like very big staples in, you know, creating what, what is now Heartland Waterfowl? Well, what surprisingly for me and probably for everybody was I was very confident in what I thought was going to be my ability to stand in front of a camera and do an interview and just be off the cuff and be able to, you know, because that's what I did. And that's difficult for a lot of people. It, it's difficult for almost everybody. Yeah. Like I thought after 22 years of being kind of an improv type of personality on the radio that I was just going to be able to walk in there and this is not going to be hard. And surprisingly it was harder than I thought it was going to be. Now it was easier for me because I am obviously programmed to be a speaker and um, articulate and, you know, deliver the message. But I was surprised that it was as hard from a business standpoint. Um, the marketing side, I would say that the marketing and how to, you know, use the, um, the way we used radio or excuse me, let me rephrase this, how we would like use different marketing tactics to promote different contests or concerts or events that we did with radio. I was able to apply that information to help in promoting Heartland waterfowl, promoting events, building the brand brand awareness, all those things. One little story that you guys, well, you may know, but most probably won't know. There was a little bit, I would say that the sales, there wasn't much sales, maybe a little bit, but this on, on the radio side, the sales on the radio side was more of just selling yourself as a personality, selling yourself as the brand, not necessarily selling advertising for right. radio. I wasn't ever really involved in that side of things. Um, you know, going and doing a live, or a live remote broadcast at a car dealership who's paying the radio station for me to be there. I know that they're buying. And so I got to like do X, Y, and Z. So there was that side of it. Um, but the sales, so like my responsibility for Heartland Waterfowl is the sales and marketing of Heartland Waterfowl. And then Logan handles basically the, you know, the outfitter relations and the, the schedule of the hunts and who's going and, and, you know, the, the camera stuff. And we collaborate a lot and we, there's really nothing we don't share with one another, but he's got his area of expertise and the, his strong suit. And then he knows that this is kind of my area. And so we kind of respect each other's space and we do what we, but we don't, but we share with each other, but to get to your point, um, sorry, I'm taking a long winded approach to get there. When I first got out of radio to start Heartland Waterfowl, you know, I was making nothing. I went from making $55,000 a year doing radio to now I'm a stay at home dad. My daughter was born literally the same year I left the job. My daughter was born in August of 2013 and I went to, I quit the radio station like September 10th or 11th or something like that. And I left the next day for Canada, came home and I was a stay at home dad with my daughter. I'd never been a dad before. Now I'm doing daddy daycare with an infant. Don't know anything about doing that. I was this guy on the radio who lived in the live in the limelight and was always out in front of people. Now all I know is the four walls of this house. And so I had gotten involved in a network marketing company to where I was just trying to get something to create some income. So I felt like I had some self-worth to my family. I was contributing to the family financially. It was there 
that I learned a lot about personal development. And it was there that I learned about more about sales, that I was able to apply all of those strategies and tactics from network marketing, although it's network marketing, MLM, whatever you want to call it, is kind of a slimy, grimy business. But I learned so much in that industry that helped me propel my ability to sell the brand of Heartland Waterfowl to our sponsors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I look back, uh, and I know it's on different scales, but I look back of whenever I was doing the Infinity Outdoor stuff, and whenever me and Trent were going to NWTF and yep. ATA, and that. Uh, <clears throat> during that time, we were trying to sit down with all these different sponsors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And now I look back, and it's like so cringy to me the fact that we were going, hey, uh, you know this is me and my buddy. We've got this mm-hmm. YouTube channel that we're trying to get going. Do you guys want to be our sponsor? And you were probably the 15th or 16th right. person that hit them up that day. Hundredth yeah. person that probably said the exact same thing. But, uh, I look back at that and granted we did pick up a handful of sponsors and stuff. So we did have a handful of relationships with companies within the industry and stuff. But I look back at that and it was like, all right, those were the like little building stones that like kind of gave me the confidence of yep. like, Hey, I can show up at an office with guys that I don't know yep. and go pitch myself or whatever. It, it, and now it's media company. Sure. But, uh, at one point it was, we were trying to do a YouTube show Yeah, we were on carbon TV and I was trying to get sponsorships. And like, I'm so thankful that like there was that little bumpy, cringy part of the road of like me trying to figure out how to like be in business and pitch business and stuff. But like those things kind of gave me the, I've been here before to where now, like if I'm in a business, like I I feel comfortable there. Sure. You know? So it's cool to see that like you had progression. Yeah. You had the little, like these taught me these things that I could apply to all the other different ventures that what's crazy is that even after doing this, as far as Heartland waterfowl is concerned, what did I say? It was our ninth season that we just finished. I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. I'm still learning like anybody who thinks they've got it figured. And and let me just tell you this. There was a time when I thought, Oh, I'm on top of the world. I've got it figured out. I've been more humbled in the last two years than I've ever been humbled professionally in my entire life. And you're just not going to succeed if you get to that mindset that you are the master. Like you want to have that confidence. You want to have, you know, the self-esteem that's going to allow you the ability to walk in and do what you're saying, like, you know, pitch somebody something. But if you think you've got it all figured out, something is going to come along the way that's going to blindside you and knock you on your ass. Right. Drake has a line and I hate to bring up a Drake line, but where he talks about he's the rookie and the vet. And I like that. Like, I still want to be the rookie sponge. I yeah. still want to be that. But I still also want to bounce off of all the experiences that I've had. Sure. You know, like, be the rookie and the vet. Soak it up like you're the rookie. I mean, but also, understand that you've been there. You've done things. Mm-hmm. You have experience. Have a little confidence. That goes a long way. Yep. You have to have that confidence. But I'm telling you, you will get knocked on your ass real quick if you think you got it all figured out. I agree. And sometimes it's like, uh, I think that I get a little complacent, you know, I think the complacency of like, uh, we're okay with being where we are now. And I think that's one of the things that me and Q have been talking about is dude, if we're not pushing the bar and trying to get better, what are we doing? 
we're just going to sit here at this plateau or we're going to kick it to the next level but it's it's uh it's it's kind of a little bit dangerous to push it to the next level and to take on things that you're uncomfortable like for this podcast for example Mm -hmm. like this is a little bit uncomfortable for me you know but uh i think it's necessary i think that with this maybe i get better with conversations with other people and maybe that allows me to whenever i'm in business meetings to be better with conversation with people understand what they're talking about, how to hold on a conversation, meaningful conversation over and over and over again. I have heard more times than I can count. And I am, I will admit I'm a victim of it. Um, self-induced victim. The minute you get comfortable is when the thing will fall apart. You have to continually be out of your comfort zone. Right. Always. The minute you start getting a little comfortable is the minute you're going to start getting a little lazy, complacent, and then that's when things will start falling through the cracks and someone's going to up you one. Yeah. Well, that and like the business that we're in, there's everybody trying to do this. You know what I mean? Everybody Everybody can pick up a camera. And there was a time with the camera stuff, and I'm just speaking basically on what our business is built off of, but there was a time where getting into the camera stuff was a very expensive thing. Like if you wanted to be into it, by the time you buy three lenses and a camera, like you have to be very well invested. You want to do this now. It's cheap enough to where people can get a Sony a seven two that's used in two lenses, start creating content and they can rock and roll. Like hell there's people out there making a lot of money just using their cell phone. Exactly. True. Exactly. That's what I'm saying is like the camera on their cell phone. I mean, they're 4k cameras now. I mean, right. right. It's well, crazy. The, the amount of money that people are making on cell phone footage. Well, and here's the other thing too, is the, the landscape of media has changed. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you have to have this high level of production. There's people that are making hundreds of thousand dollars off TikToks that they made on their iPhone. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, you got to put, you got to continue to push the bar because you, there's people at your heels at all times, mm-hmm. at all times. I don't know that I necessarily subscribe this to this as much today as I did Um, just a few years ago, but I still think that there's some validity to the statement. And that is, I learned this from a program director that I worked with in Tucson, Arizona. His name was Jeff Baird. I learned a lot from that guy. Actually, I've learned a lot from all of my program directors. Um, Hey, if you're up, can I get a a bush latte? Thanks, man. Um, One of the things that he always stressed when we were running that radio station down there was don't be different, be unique. Right. Because you can be different and it can completely suck, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you're being, if you are unique, then you are doing something not only that is different, but it's special and it's something that actually is got influence on the people who are watching. Now, the reason I feel like that that statement may not hold as true today is because I'm seeing some content out there that is absolutely shit God awful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And these people are making a boatload of money doing it. But I still, it will always be my, the way I pursue doing business just because it was kind of the way I was programmed was that I don't, I don't ever want to be just different. Mm -hmm. My goal is to never be just different. I want to be unique. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the things too is like, uh, a big staple for us is quality. Like, like that's the other thing too, is kind of like how the YouTube landscape is, is 
it's a lot about consistency. You know, it's a lot about posting freaking very often and stuff like that. But there's a lot of content that out there it that isn't as well produced, but performs very well. Yeah. And for me, it's hard to swallow because I want to put the best product out there, right. you know, and sometimes it's like we have to read the landscape. Like I've been doing a bunch of like paying attention and I know I'm late to it now, but dude, the reels on are. Instagram yeah you can't it's pointless to post a picture anymore it's pointless you're gonna get a lot more engagements with those it's reels pointless yeah to put, but it's in for the longest time i was like i'm not posting tiktoks on instagram it's not pointless because you still got to do it in order to keep yourself into some sort of hierarchy with your algorithm right so there is a there's no, it's not pointless I, I, but i see the point that you're making and is that is that you're obviously wanting to put content out there to create you know, likes, p comments, and engagements. Right. right? I think and you're going to get that more with reels. I think what I'm speaking on is how I looked at it from the beginning is I'm not here to post TikToks on Instagram. That's not what I'm here to do for the right. Instagram. But I'm not the decision maker. You're not. <laughs> I'm not the decision maker. Oh, I was the decision was already made that reels are the things that pop. I have to go like this as media head and go, this is what's working. This is what we got to migrate to. The landscape changes. Oh my god! So it, we have to we have to mold to that, regardless of my opinion. It's my so opinion annoying. Don't mean, my it, opinion it don't mean jack shit. Ultimately, it doesn't. It's so annoying. I was actually thinking about this today because I have a company called Dumar Solutions. We're a, a chemical solutions and PPE solutions company, and and I started this a year ago. And I was so I've been so frustrated because I'm trying to create this content to put on social media. Because the whole idea of, of social media was to keep people informed in, on who you are and what you do, right? right? Like what's going on in your life, right? So man, when, when Facebook, I'm not sure if it's when it first came out, but it was in the early stages. I remember the thing, it was actually when they, they removed it from being college only. Right. And then, you know, it was, they opened it up to the public. And I remember like, boom, all of a sudden my followers, because I was on radio, like, with just i got to five thousand followers in like no time right yeah, that's when you're turning I, I got too many friends you can't request yeah yeah it was yeah. weird and i i remember i could put a post out there i mean it could be the dumbest thing it could be me at a concert you know holding up a beer or whatever and i would get i mean i got five thousand followers i could get a thousand likes no problem i mean a fifth organic of, reach was out the oh, roof yeah yeah now I still have 5,000 followers. I put a, I might get 150 likes on a good day. If I post a picture of me and my kid or one of my kids, but if I post anything about my business, it's like, mm, you're not paying us for that. I might get 20 likes. I, I tell all the media clients, you have to have a $200 ad spend budget a month. You really do. You, if at you least, be, I if, mean, if, and that's even that's low. slim. And, yeah. But if you want to even just get thrown in the mix, because it's now just pay to play. Mm -hmm. It's If you want to be in the circle, you got to pay for it. Yep. You want to do this business ad and it's, see a bunch of people, good luck. You're going to yeah. do it organically, good luck. You got to put mm -hmm. some money to it. It's literally, it's like money is like a college degree now for media. It's like, doesn't really, it can be really good freaking content, but it just has to have the pay period for it to even get into the circle. It's it is. Not, evolves so much and it changes so much that I've 
actually even in this last few months considered going to you know a junior college down the road and taking some night classes on social media marketing just to get a better idea but it's then I changing it's but that's the as problem soon as, as soon as you get in there I changes. go and I spend all of this money on learn all this stuff is it going to change and then I got to go back and spend thousands of dollars again to learn what it you know like you know I wish in one hand and shit in the other and see which one fills up the fastest right <laughs> but for me it's like that's what the business is and we got to follow it so I try and keep my thumb on the pulse of what's happening and what gets attention and and you got to like it's one and i i've started now going i'm taking my opinion out and just paying attention to what's working just paying attention to what's hot and i know i hate to dive into this but like the bitcoin and the oh, cryptocurrencies crypto. and nfts and stuff like this i know that my brain is sheltering and going no i don't believe that like i can't wrap my head around it but it would be hard to wrap your head around the fact that people are making tons of money on TikTok three years ago. That would be super hard to wrap your head around, but it's happening now. And it's happening now that people are trading NFTs and making millions. It's happening now that people are gazillionaires because they're trading crypto. Yeah. Like I have to take my opinion a little bit out of some of the things that are happening and just realize this is the landscape. It goes like this. It shifts. It changes. It does this. And you kind of have to go with the ebbs and flows and figure it out yeah. as it goes. But what I really want to do moving forward is just go, okay, I'll give it a chance because what, what could it turn into? You know, I saw a stat that if you would have bought Bitcoin, remember when we were getting, or that everybody was getting the stimulus checks, the mm -hmm. 1200 stimulus, mm -hmm. if you would have bought Bitcoin during that time and you would have spent your stimulus, your 1200 on it a couple months ago it would have been worth like fifty six thousand dollars really yeah but I'm instead everybody so, went and bought a big screen tv yeah you know I'm so i'll admit i am so far behind the eight ball when it comes to cryptocurrency the thing that i really kicked myself on and i wasn't really prevalent or you know understood it until i had a kid which is the amount of money these youtubers are making and you know, they were in at the right time. They saw what was going on. They had the vision. You know, what we're doing with Heartland Waterfowl with this YouTube thing, gosh, if I would have known and understood it 10 years ago, how far along we could be as a brand. Oh, my God. If I would have understood then what I understand now. Right. I look at these Paul brothers, Logan, and what's the other one's Jake. name? Jake Paul. The amount of money they're making for being huge. Here's another one. And I talked about my kid. Nope, boys. Huh? Well, yeah, they're doing pretty damn good, too. But <laughs> there is a... Um, a channel called Ryan's Toy Review. Right. You Have you heard about, about this? this? You told me about okay, it. Okay, so this kid... Reviews toys. He, he doesn't even review them. He just plays with them. Like, freaking... I, I'm trying to think of a, a toy manufacturer. A, let's... A Tonka toy. Okay, like, these toy manufacturers will send this family, like, piles and piles and piles of free toys. The kid is living in heaven. You know, look at all this free to all these free toys I get to play with, you know, and his mom and dad just basically film him playing with these toys around the house. And then they put it up on YouTube and they called the channel Ryan's Toy Review. The kid is worth 
millions. Yeah. Millions. It's nuts. It's nuts. I mean, because I mean, I get it. It's it's so like my daughter, I could not like I I can't stand to watch it. Like I'm I'm a filmer. Like we're producers, right? Right. What I'm watching this crap YouTube on a crap camera crap content it's not steady there's no cinematography involved whatsoever right and these kids just eat it up and then what they do is they go to mommy and daddy and say ryan's playing with this toy this is what i want for christmas oh yep. man magic made in heaven right and there for buy, the toy manufacturer on, uh go to Am amazon yeah if they buy it off amazon through yeah. his adsense he gets three cents off of it yeah it, 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 it's ridiculous I the part that I think that has hurt me in some ways professionally as a business guy is that I have to see it before I believe it. <laughs> and sometimes being a skeptic is your worst enemy. Yeah. You know, like some people there's no reward in any business without some sort of risk. And sometimes and most times it's the risk that scares anybody from ever getting started. Some people like how many times have you heard somebody say, Oh, Uber. Oh man. I had that idea. Well, why didn't you do it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was, I, I was scared. I was afraid I was going to fail. What about well, action? somebody was afraid not to fail. Yeah, somebody was not action? afraid. And now they're multi-millionaires, billionaires, whatever it is that they are. But the thing that I have to challenge myself with all the time when I want to start something or I've got an idea is not let the fear factor or the risk stop me. I mean, you want to be smart. I'm not trying to say you get an idea and just, you know, go do something stupid. You know, you want to make a calculated decision and you want to evaluate, you know, the ins and outs of everything, but sometimes you can get paralysis by analysis and the people who really make it like really, really make it are the ones who aren't afraid to fail. Right. I, uh, I remember this whenever I was younger and this was like middle school. I, uh, I followed these guys that were on YouTube that did bass fishing stuff. And there was a guy named bass all year and he got like super popular on youtube for bass fishing and it was just like a kid my age that just went fishing and filmed his youtube videos you know like a youtube video and there was another kid that was uh fishing the midwest i think that's what it was called fishing the midwest and he made all these videos he was pouring his own baits and doing all this stuff and would post every week and post every week years down the road it's freaking john Bolin or Bolin or Brolin, GB, G Bolin and he, or J Bolin. And he's one of the Guggen members and they have Guggen baits and they're selling baits all across the freaking country. Every single one of their YouTube videos gets tons of freaking views. And it was this kid that was my same age. I was watching him on YouTube whenever it was just like me, little eight year old kid yeah. or eighth grade kid watching some other kid that was in eighth grade, but he kept with it and just kept on doing it. And now yeah. he's freaking lives in Texas, has all this freaking builds dream house on YouTube, does all this crazy stuff. But he just had this little YouTube channel and mm -hmm. kept it on, kept going, kept going, right. kept going, kept going, got teamed up, started doing Guggen Bates. Now that's dude. Guggen Bates is nuts. <laughs> the fact that Guggen Bates is just a bunch of YouTubers. And now it's a high level. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever watched their thing on YouTube. I haven't. They, uh, it's a group of YouTubers. It's like five or six YouTubers that teamed up just do Guggen baits and what they, they started Guggen squad. 
and it was like them fishing and uh they tried reaching out to all these different professional bass or these bass companies to be sponsors and stuff and they're like you guys are just youtubers you guys are just youtubers you're not professional bass fishermen all this stuff and they're like you know what we'll just start our own bait company now they they sponsor professional bass fishermen (laughs) it's crazy isn't that crazy it's crazy i mean yeah it's crazy but at the same point in time it's like it's kind of actually it's not it's actually it's not not anymore like i'm not surprised it's not because was it crazy 10 years ago well yeah 15 years ago yeah but they said what they were going to do they stuck to it they were consistent they kept on going and kept on going and kept on going and then it turned into something for them that's where like i've i mean and i'm kind of going off in another direction with this but like i'm a huge fan of gary vaynerchuk oh yeah huge fan of gary v and you know tiktok while it has exploded is still you've been hitting the tiktoks i've been seeing i have you've been hitting the <laughs> I tiktoks really i don't today. really understand it yet i don't understand like what am i doing how is it going to help me at some point like i'm right now i'm not even thinking about it i'm just going with it but tiktok is still somewhat in its infancy stages and even now, like Gary will talk about in his, like I will see his Instagram uh, content and he'll put up in his stories, like he's up there and he's telling these new entrepreneurs, like you need to be putting a TikTok, like a worthy TikTok out four times a day. Yeah. Four times a day. Just to like, keep up. I am like <laughs> exhausted after creating one. Like what can I do? to make something that I think is compelling. And then I will put together something that I think, Oh, people are going to think this is cute. Like it'll right. be something with me and my kid. And I don't get it. Like I was watching my TikTok before I came here and I'm like, I put something out um, yesterday, I think with me and my son. And I was like, how has this not gotten more views? The dirty duck one was, I did like that. Yeah. That was but, well done. Like, so I mean, I, uh, it's, it could be better, but, um, I guess my point is, is that ticked like what we talked about, like if I knew then what I know now as it pertains to YouTube, man, I would be all about putting content on YouTube. So does, does that fire you up about the other stuff? That's it's firing new? me up a little bit more about TikTok because I hear Gary talking about how if you're a new entrepreneur and you're trying to build a brand, you need to be putting out worthy content four times a day. Right. Like I am not to the level to where I have the creativity. And when I say I'm, I'm a creative person, but I'm a creative person over here in this artistic cinematic outdoor industry kind of artistic. This TikTok thing is a completely different, different game sure. and I'm still trying to understand it. So I don't want to waste my I mean, I got shit going on during the day. I'm not right. only a dad, but I'm trying to run a couple different businesses, too. You know, so what is, what kind of content am I supposed to be creating? So naturally you're flipping through and you're seeing all this stuff and you're like, this is corny. This is dick cheese stuff. Like, I don't want to do this kind of content. Right. But like, so do I, is that, do I have to sell myself to the devil to do this content that I don't really like or believe in to get where I ultimately want to go? Like, I don't know. So I'm still trying to figure out the TikTok thing and I'm trying, and and so to go, to get to a point here, I'm putting out content but the content that I'm putting out still isn't like getting the actual impressions that I would think that it was going to get. So I'm, I'm, I'm 
obviously not doing something right. Dude, right. that's the crazy part is you don't some of those people that you don't even have to be creative. Some of them just video what they're doing on their work life and some people and a bunch of people That's what I'm saying. Like the landscape it. doesn't make any sense because random shit pops. Yeah. I could spend two hours. Is there a certain hashtag that you have to use? I don't know. For your page? I, I do FYP. that. FYP. But this yeah. is my thing. It's like, literally it's happened where I've spent hours editing a, a little TikTok where I put transitions and all this crazy stuff. I make it look cinematic. I do yeah. all this. I try and have freaking j cole rapping and the girl shaking her ass and then i put i did all the i've done everything but then if i post something random me wrecking my one wheel that goes nuts and it's just a f- clip that i posted off you know my iphone you know yeah. on those tiktoks it doesn't make any sense i know it doesn't make sense to me especially and for us especially because of how we're programmed on how to create content you know like right. we can i came up through the HB way of doing creating content, you know, that's just not the TikTok way of doing content. The other thing I learned is <clears throat> I was going through a tough time a few months ago and I had come across this, you know how they'll create these audio files where somebody will be voicing something and then you can basically limp sync yeah. what they're doing. You see it all the time. People yeah, lip yeah, syncing yeah. what somebody's saying or singing or whatever. And so there was this TikTok that kind of struck me where the audio was talking about if you want to know who your true friends are, go through hell. And you're going to find out who your real friends are. Mm-hmm. And, and it hit me because I was going through a tough time and I was had felt like, man, I really am understanding who my friends are. So I'm sitting in my kids, my baby, you know, he's a year old and I'm sitting in his room in the recliner watching him. He's sitting on my lap and I'm making a fun little TikTok and he's sitting on my lap as I'm doing this. And I, and I, <laughs> it was the first time ever I felt so stupid and corny doing it, but I, I lip synced this other guy saying if you want to find out who your friends are go through hell and you'll you'll find out who your friends are i got more watches more views more engagements more likes more comments on that one single video than i did any any of the videos i've ever done that's what i'm saying to this day why is it that one is it because like you have to like is it the only those ones that you're lip syncing to that uh, i for whatever reason that one and and look it's not like i was the only one who used that audio in a tiktok video right but for whatever reason that video and whatever and all i did was i was my son sitting in my lap and i'm just looking at the camera and i'm just lip syncing basically exactly what this guy said in synchronized and it took off took off i mean i gained probably i don't know this isn't a lot but for me it was it was like 20 followers 20 30 followers just that one night yeah instantaneously from that one tiktok everything else i done complete dog crap (laughs) everything i don't get it i don't understand it i'd like to know more i'd like to figure out what is how does this work yeah it's 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 weird. And, and I, I think, I, I think that's where Gary's going with it too, is like, you got to keep pushing content. You well, gotta it's, the like, same, it's the same thing with like the whatever, YouTube. whatever I was talking about with the YouTube yeah. is we had so much information. Right. If you're posting four TikToks a day, you get so much information. You go, ah, this is working. Instead of posting these four videos, I'm going to post four of these two. Yeah. Because I know that these two are getting some attention. Right. You know, right. it's like, it's literally taking, and I, so I've been doing like a kind of digest on, I've been posting the reels and it's like, if I post waterfowl reels of birds coming in and getting shot, 
I'll get way more than if it's like if I even edit a reel and like I edited a really sweet reel that I thought of me and Joe fishing down at the lake and had all these transitions and bad badass music and all this crazy stuff and mm. it got a little bit of attention but if I just post like one little clip and it's like an older over the shoulder clip like a GoPro clip of a goose coming in and mm-hmm. Alex kills it it goes nuts yeah, no. and I'm like what is this what is thing this? on this so I'm like do I need to post more of that? Okay, I'll cut some more of those up and post more of those. Well, where I'm ultimately going with this is, you know, I keep going back to if I if I knew then what I know now about YouTube, I would have been a lot more aggressive with it. I say that, but the th- the problem is, is that I'm trying this approach now with this TikTok thing because it's somewhat still in its infancy stages, but I'm getting discouraged quickly because I'm not seeing the return right. on the investment of my time to put this content out there. And I'm like, well, this... But I'm thinking, I'm trying to challenge myself to keep at it, keep at it, keep doing it, keep it. And there is this too. There was a sense of humility that I had when I was posting some of this content. Like I did one with my son the other day where it was vanilla ice, 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 baby. And I'm like acting all cheesy, stupid, smiling like a goofball. And I'm lip syncing ice, ice. And I turned the camera quickly over to my kid, which is, is a baby. And um, I'm thinking, oh, this is kind of fun. This is the stupid shit I see on TikTok that people love. It still hasn't gotten anything. My point is you have to like swallow a huge humble pill, not give a shit what anybody thinks and just roll with it. You yeah. just like, you got to just not, not have a care in the world. You could be stupid, goofy, whatever, not. And just not, and that's the hard part I'm having is like, oh, what are people going to think? Oh my God, am I going to make fun for this? Oh my God, is this going to look bad on my brands if I'm doing something stupid like this? Q, who what cares? do I preach? Who what cares? do I preach all the time? Authenticity is the, what? how many who senses cares? do we have? Oh, I know. I don't know. I don't. I, I wish it's I the knew. sixth. Touch. Sense. Five. Yeah, we five. have five. Yeah. So it's the, the sixth. sixth sense is authenticity. Humans can feel when you're being authentic no matter what it even if it's me in an interview for heartland waterfowl if i'm talking and i don't care about waterfowl hunting Mm -hmm. they feel it right they feel it and i think it's the same thing with tiktok and all this stuff and and same thing that i was telling him is the fact that you're doing it the fact that you press post you're doing more 90 percent yep then That's there's, my thing. There is. That's that, my that, thing. That is huge, too. You can talk your shit. Yeah. You can talk your shit, but post yours and let me talk the shit on your shit. Yeah. That's my thing. Yep. Is you can talk all you want about what I'm doing. Gary talks about that all the time. Stop caring about what other people think. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. That's good. Because here's the thing. I'm doing it. You can't. If you're doing it and yeah. you want to talk shit, we can yeah. have a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> we can can't have care. a conversation. Yeah. You can't but care. But if I'm doing it and you're not, and you want to talk shit on yeah. what I'm doing? Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. I'm doing it. You yeah. Ain't. The other part of it too is that I am so much older than all of you guys. I'm 46 years old, and there's a sense of like, is that like I, I'm a 46 year old guy trying to do TikToks? Like you know, but that's again where me I'm I'm I should not care. I should not care. Like ultimately, what what do I care about? What I ultimately care about is creating a business or building a business, I've already created it, building a business that allows me to create a legacy of financial freedom for my lifetime and hopefully for my kids and their kids' lifetime. 
That that is what I ultimately care about. And in order, what it seems in today's world that we live in, in order to do that, you have to be able to evolve. And in order to evolve, you have to be open-minded to platforms like TikTok that give you the ability to spread your message, to build your notoriety. If you're in the business, what we're in, if you change light sockets, it's probably a different thing. But we're in media. Maybe, maybe here's the stupid thing. Like, you could probably generate. You could probably and, like. Yeah. You could probably be the guy who shows you how to change all different lights out of different sockets, and just be some corn dick idiot doing it. And now you're the light bulb guy, right. and make millions doing it. That's how. That's where it's gone. Right. That's really it. Really has that what gives me a little bit of confidence? It's like, right. But am I wrong? Why can't I be that guy? Just be yourself. You know what I mean? But you just, but I think the point that Gary says is you got to just keep pushing it, pushing it. And you can't get, and, and this is what I'm struggling with right now is you can't get discouraged when you're not seeing the results and the engagements that you were hoping to get. You just got to keep pushing the content out there. Well, that's our brand quote at Marathon. Yep. The constant drip wears away the stone. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It keeps on dripping and it wears away. What do they call that? Um, Chinese water torture. Well, (laughs) (laughs) but you get what I'm saying is you continue and continue. And your thing, like you've preached to me for forever is that the money's in the follow up. The fortunes in the follow up. Goes even deeper than that. You get what you give. mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that we trying to do with media is as much as I, and I, I feel like sometimes I get into these creative blocks you know of where i don't feel motivated and one of the biggest things for me lately has been i want to continue to push the bar so i want it to continue to get better and if it's not getting better and we're just producing what we've been producing i'm not fired up about it yeah you know like i want to continue to push it and push it push it push it let's get better let's do something else so part of that is like also you still have to be doing something. You know what I mean? As much as I want to push it, there has to be movement. You know, I can't mm-hmm. wait six months for us to do And that's the thing. Like, we're waiting on. Like, we're, like, all bottled up right now on creative stuff. Waiting mm-hmm. for turkey season to hit. Waiting for that clock to hit so we can get some of this creative stuff out. And that's why I told him. I'm like, we have to find a little bit of avenues. And I think the podcast is going to be a good uh avenue for us Mm -hmm. and i know it's a different creative but it's something that we can go and like we're doing and we're producing and it's like every week we try and get somebody else on and we do some other things like it's something to be fired up about right but we can't just get fired up every hunting season you know what i mean we got to keep moving yep exactly you know what i mean podcast i mean i know we're sitting here doing this right now but nobody was like nobody in my circle was listening to podcasts 10 years ago saying you know like that's what i'm saying about the new stuff is uh, literally me as a business mind now i'm going what's new that i'm not taking advantage of yes what's new that i'm not taking advantage of that i'm gonna kick myself in the teeth five years ago because i didn't do it and that's where i'm at with this podcast thing i mean you and i have in my business man yeah should i be paying attention to what things are investments now Mm -hmm. and that could turn into something. Yeah. All right. So I got to pay. T- I can't go with my mind and go, 
I'm shutting this off because I don't know it. Right. Homie, you got to get to figuring it out. If I would have figured the YouTube stuff out a long time ago, we'd be in a different situation. Oh, I know. You know what I'm saying? Trust me. I'm kicking myself over the YouTube thing, the podcast thing. (laughs) I'm, yeah. uh, So, so what's new now? I mean, TikTok is still somewhat in its infancy stages. What else is out there right now? NFTs. Yeah, I know. I see Gary talking about that. I know nothing about them. Uh, I don't know much about them, but I'm diving. I'm diving in. It's all I pay attention to right now. I'm really trying to. Well, I'm just like, you have to if mm-hmm. you want to like figure it out. And mm-hmm. I'm just like trying to consume content about people. And I watch a lot of Gary stuff talking yeah. about it, and a handful of other people. That Are you I'm, on his text list? No. He sends me text messages like every day. Well, I mean, he directly isn't, but right. I'm on his mass text deal. And he sent one the other night that was basically says, what was it? Something about a NFT introduction must see. And I was like, eh, I don't have any interest in that. And then I keep you seeing this. Five co- years right. That's, that's where I'm going with this is that I keep seeing this content coming out with from him about NFTs. And I'm like, damn. I wonder if I should. <laughs> wonder if I should have taken the time to maybe listen to what he Dude, had to my say. My brother's. You know what's going to happen with these NFTs? I saw some deal the other day that was talking about them. Is the non fungible token? It's going to be to where it turns into they treat them as like concert tickets. So Ronnie Phillips buys a Garth Brooks ticket to Kansas City. Uh, through a non-tungible or a NFT Mm -hmm. and then you have a piece of history right Mm -hmm. and it will be tradable at all times so like if you were to keep like if you had a George Strait freaking 20 years ago ticket you're gonna have that now literally a piece of information that can be traded that can be sold like it's crazy like the nft space is it's so hard to like comprehend but like like nelk they're doing this thing with the medical metacard holder so basically what they do is as a business anything that they invest in if you're a metacard holder if you hold one of their nfts that you get a privilege to some of the investing that they do so like if they were to go all right we're starting up a golf channel and we're going to put out golf their biggest thing now is fitness stuff so they're gonna like uh come out with all these supplements and stuff like that so as an nft holder through their metacard that you get privileged to it's like stock basically they started this new company uh nelk fitness you get stock in that as big as that company goes you own part of that and then also they're going to start all these locations and they started doing events so they're going to have gyms eventually dude yeah so they have (laughs) gyms and then your nft if you own the nft you can go to the gym at any time and they just had a concert where if you were an nft holder you could go to the concert same thing with what gary's doing gary's doing for all of his conferences is if you buy an nft it's a pass to the conference that he does and has all the guest speakers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We have to buy the NFT. It's, it's your VIP it's pass. leverage. But I'm saying it's like these like forefront people that are trying to get into this space, they're trying to implement this stuff. And mm-hmm. it's so foreign to where it's like Gary V's little conference NFT. 
we're starting to see the beginning. Mm-hmm. What it turns into, we have no clue. It's going to be space in right. Web three, right. the virtual reality, all sorts of crazy stuff. That and what I've been learning about it is it's stuff that we can't comprehend now because it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. But with the NFT space, it's very, very, very interesting. Hmm. I've been diving into it. Dude, it's wild. And I don't know. And I literally feel so foreign talking about it because I have no clue about it. Like I'm trying, but it's interesting. But it's just like speaking on the mindset of things that are new. We don't understand. But if you don't get involved 10 years down the road, you're going to be going like you're going to be kicking yourself. I know. How did we not start a Heartland Waterfowl NFT? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like that's what we're going to be doing in 10 years if we don't. Right. You know, I know that sounds great. And the craziest thing is none of us understand it. How do we make an NF- or right. HW NFT? We I have no clue. I can hardly understand TikTok. Exactly. You want me to understand yeah, an exactly. NFT? Yeah. Exactly. But tons of changes, tons of stuff to be uh, paying attention to. But I think that uh, we have a ton of different minds that are mm-hmm. invested in that and are down to pay attention to what happens. Like, here's the other thing, like, you were in radio and TV. Now YouTube, like you've seen the ebbs and flows oh of how, gosh. where attention goes and how it goes from here to here, from radio to this and that, like partly why I'm not in radio anymore. <laughs> exactly. You know, like there's, there's a path of how this stuff goes. So it's, I think it's important to pay attention. I think I to. talked about it earlier about, you know, the problem is, is that people get familiar with something, they get comfortable and then they just kind of ride that wave the minute you get comfortable is the minute when things start falling apart and right. this, these people who are killing it on the TikToks and they're killing it on the NFTs and the things that are, they're constantly outside of their comfort zone and they're open-minded and they're a sponge. It's risk too. Oh shit. Yeah. It's but, a ton but, of but risk. T- tell me one person who's been successful aside from anybody who's inherited a ton of money. One successful person, Steve jobs, he freaking failed. I don't know how many times, right? You know, like I was listening to these YouTubers and they were literally talking about when we started YouTube, people were laughing at us. The fact that we were like, sorry, we can't hang out. We got to make a YouTube video. And now I know how many people, uh, this is my thing. You go poll the middle schools and the high schools of America and say, who do you want to be? And let me see how many people are, Logan, Jake Paul, and let me ha- let me see how many people are Brad Pitt. I'm telling you. No, I I see it. I mean, I, I think that's kind of effed up. But yeah, I it mean, is. I'm, I'm, this it is just is, what I'm saying. It, yeah. Is they don't want to be, oh, so-and-so that's on some sitcom on NBC. Mm-hmm. They want to be the YouTube star. Legit. That's yeah. what the yep. youth of America wants to be. Yep. Right. It's a... It's changing. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. It's changing. Yeah. Thank God I have some young whippersnappers like you guys in my circle that keep me up to speed on all the stuff that is. Dude, it even goes further. My 19-year-old brother's invested in NFTs. Really? Dude. It's crazy. Like a lot? I mean, a handful, and he's made some money. Like what's a handful? Like I, mean, I don't know. I mean, whatever you're comfortable saying, I guess. I mean, like I don't know. A couple hundred dollars. Honestly, I don't know. I'll tell I you this, know. and I don't know if I should couple. be saying this, but Nate's cousin that does NFTs. Nate's like our Nate, our Nate's cousin. Okay, is doing F- NFTs, like designing them and posting them, and is making jack. Really? Yes. 
I need to start listening to Gary V's little introductory. You do. You do. All, right. All right. Well, that's our spiel on NFTs. We yeah. know yeah. nothing about them, so <laughs> yeah. this is not financial advice. Go to Gary V. Go to Gary How V. How long have we been doing this? We've okay. been doing it for a while. Let's wrap it up. So. Okay. I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Juice Podcast. Thank, thank you so you much. Thank you guys for having me. This has yeah. been fun. Absolutely. Thank you so much for Ronnie for coming in and cutting up with us and spending a little time and hopping on the podcast. We Good appreciate his you, time. Good to see you guys We too, appreciate man. everything that Ronnie's yeah. done for us uh, yeah. up until this day. I appreciate you and guys. And continues to do for us. Thank you. Um, we got to plug a few things. Yeah, what's your plug? Yeah, Ronnie. Um, well, uh, this has been an inspiration to come out with my own podcast. Right. So I'm going to buy some equipment, and and somewhere down the road, I'm gonna, I'm trying to come up with a name. I was thinking about that today when I was in the shower. I think it's called. I think I'm going to call it the Ronnie Phillips Revolution. I like there that. I like that. I'm not, I'm not in love with it, but it's the right. best thing I've come up with so far. Some shower. Anyway, thoughts. you guys will probably be my first guests. I'm down. Down. Probably going to be the first guest. I've got a great studio designed in my basement, and so that's coming. Trying up. to tell me it's better than the garage? Oh, I'm going to tell man. you that the garage is going to it's going to be tough to compete. <laughs> a little bit <laughs> dusty. <compared to> <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So aside from that, obviously, still very involved with Heartland Waterfowl, and anybody who's listening to this uh, that watches Heartland Waterfowl, I'm so grateful, so blessed. Um, the one thing I've learned a lot in the last well, several years, but especially in the last couple of years is, um, uh, gratitude and the amount of gratitude. Like I have so much gratitude that Heartland Waterfowl has been on the air for nine freaking years already. Wow. And it continues to grow and that we've got a YouTube series now and people are loving it and they're seeing it. So, um, if you want compelling, polished production, great storytelling, authentic, genuine storytelling, uh, applied to waterfowl hunting, then you need to go and subscribe and follow Heartland Waterfowl on YouTube and check out our new season coming out on Sportsman's channel. Uh, and then I'll finish with Dumar Solutions, a company I launched back in May uh, of last year. And uh, we are a chemicals, uh, an affordable chemical solutions company. And PPE, we also offer PPE for any industry. And um, we do anything from hand soap to antifreeze. My big thing right now is concrete and asphalt construction. So the the bubble gum chemical, the um, chemical or the uh, releasing agents, the this the the, uh, the coatings, the uh, all of that stuff. We we can do any of that stuff. So, so that's my plug on me, man. All what? right, ladies, gents. You know, if you listened once, then you know it's Marathon Media, MarathonMedia dot com at Marathon Media Management on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Infinity Outdoors, we're still doing a few things on there. Heartland Waterfowl, do not forget, 31 episodes on YouTube from this last year. Make sure you tune in. We'll plug the homies, Valley Oaks, Nate Meyer, uh, Joe Palumbo, V. Landon Holding. Go check out our homies at The Real D. Thurn. Quentin has a messed up last name, but he's going to plug it. <laughs> at Quentin Verlinick. Come on. Now. Quentin Verlinick. If you don't know, figure it out. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in for the Juice Podcast. Thank you, Ronnie. We love you. Good night. With my walls.